Pastor Joey's been in a series talking about the miracle worker. Um, so he's focused on a, a few different aspects of Jesus's miracle, um, miracles that he performed. Uh, our, the basis of our uh, sermons is Acts chapter 2, verse 22. It says this, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. In week one, um, he talked about some of Jesus' creative miracles. So uh, we talked about Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Um, super cool thing. Um, I'd love to, to be able to do that next time I have people over, right? Just... Just, uh, I, guys, I ran out of wine, but we've got some water. Let's make this happen. Uh, now we got ourselves to party, right? Um, the second week, he, he talked about deliverance um, from demons. Um, I really want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to that sermon, uh, it sounds like a scary sermon to listen to or a weird sermon to listen to. Um, but I want to encourage you, make sure to listen to that sermon uh, in the church and in the Western world. We have this like weird thing about personified evil, right? Um, so like, it's totally cool to believe in God. Like that makes sense. Cool. No problem. But if you start talking about demons or Satan, it's like you're a weirdo. Like, get out of here. Um, right? Even Satanists don't believe in Satan. Like, I was, because it's a whole big thing, right? Like Target or whatever, they hired some Satanists, whatever. I'm sure you guys saw it. Uh, but like I was reading is like, his comment about it, and he was like, we don't believe in, like, a real Satan. Satan can be whatever you want him to be. And, like, I was like, even Satanists don't believe in Satan, um, which is just funny to me. Um, but, like, uh, in, in the Western world, it's weird to believe in, like, personified evil. Um, but I heard this quote one time, and it's so good. If you don't believe in uh, the demonic and the spiritual forces of darkness, then people become the enemy. And so this is really, really important for us as Christians to wrap our heads around um, that we wage war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? So yes, people make terrible decisions and do terrible things, but they're not the enemy. The enemy is the one who is influencing those decisions. And I want to encourage you, go back and listen to that sermon because it's so, so good and most people... Um, even if they grew up in church, haven't really thought about that. So uh, make sure to go go and listen to that. Uh, and then last week, he started on healing, and that's where we're going to stay. We're going to continue talking about healing today. Um, and so I could have talked about, you know, Jesus raising people from the dead or his provisional miracles, um, but I wanted to stay with healing primarily because um, there's 37 miracles recorded in the Gospels, right? 37 miracles that Jesus performs. 21 of those are healing miracles. And so there's this big emphasis. We have to recognize there's a pattern here. And so um, I, I want to talk about this because it's such an emphasis in, uh, in Scripture. So before we, we jump in, let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, and that you care for us. God, we thank you that you are here with us even now. Lord, that your, your presence is here in this place. God, we pray that, that like your word says, God, that your word would be sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, that it would pierce to divide the soul and spirit. God, that, that as I speak your word today, Lord, that it would go to the spirit. It would bypass thought. 
bypass um, emotions, Lord, and go straight to the Spirit. God, we thank you that, that your word is, is sufficient, that your, your word, your Bible, Lord, is sufficient for us. We give you the glory. We give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So a couple of things um, before we jump all the way in. I want to just talk about our theology kind of as a whole here at City Alive on healing. Um, so healing is one of those things that is, well, and, and the, the gifts of the Spirit as a whole, um, they're kind of divided in the, in the church world in the U.S., right? Um, so there's the, the Presbyterians and the Baptists, and, um, and then there's the Pentecostals. And, um, so those people, the, those people, right? Um, the, the, the people who believe that the gifts of the Spirit have stopped, they would be called cessationists. The gifts have ceased. Um, and then Pentecostals would be called continuationists. They believe that the gifts of the Spirit have continued on until today, and they will continue on until Jesus comes back. We believe that, uh, that the gifts of the Spirit are for today and that they will continue on through the time that Jesus comes back. And so that includes healing. I think it's important to mention that. Some people are like, hey, that's weird. Um, that's okay. A lot of this is weird. Um, if you really dig into scripture, you're like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, we were just talking about demons a second ago. We can't believe in healing too. Um, the Bible is our basis for that. Um, so if you go and, and read a bunch of different things that cessationists will say, people who don't believe that the gifts of spirit have continued on, most of it will come from a place of, well, I've never healed anybody, right? That's ultimately what it boils down to for a cessationist. Um, and I've, you know, I've read all of it, uh, right? There's, there's Johnny Mac, John MacArthur. He's got like his strange fire conference that he does every, every year where he says Pentecostals are demon possessed. Um, and like, he's, he's got like his books about it and stuff, right? I've read, I've read his stuff. He's very intellectual. Um, I, I really believe he's a, he's a strong Christian man, uh, spends a lot of time in the word. But even if you, you read his debate on it, it's simply this. He doesn't see it. He has not experienced it, and therefore it can't be true. Um, but the Bible is very, very clear about it. Um, the Bible is just over and over again we see this, right? Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit um, well after Jesus has passed away. Um, Paul continues talking about it. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, freely you've received, freely give, right? Jesus has makes this very plain. And so even when our lives don't align with it, we still believe that it's true because our theology is not based on our experience. Our theology is based on the word of God. So that's where we stand as a church. Um, and uh, we can dive into some of the more minute parts if anybody wants to. Um, but for the time being, we're going we're gonna to jump into Luke chapter 22, verses 47 through 53. So this is um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right before Jesus is taken and arrested, um, right before he's crucified. So Luke 22, 47 through 53. 
excuse me. I, I feel like I get sick just a little bit every time I'm about to preach. So I don't know if uh, <clears throat> the Lord doesn't want me to preach or the devil doesn't want me to, but um, but <clears throat> you'll have to, uh, to bear with my, my throat every once in a while here. Luke 22, 47 through 53. While he was still speaking, he being Jesus, suddenly a mob came, and one of the twelve named Judas was leading them. He came near Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of, the, one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, temple police, and the elders who had come for him, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? Every day while I was with you in the temple, you never laid a hand on me. But this is your hour in the dominion of darkness. So this story is recorded in a couple um, gospels. So I just want to add a couple more details that are not in uh, the story of Luke. Uh, the disciple who cut off the dude's ear, it was Peter. Um, the guy who got his ear cut off, that was Malchus. Um, so um, I just wanted to add those details because at some point I'm going to say Peter cut off somebody's ear, and you guys are going to be like, it doesn't say that. Um, but it was Peter. John tells us that. Um, this story is in three different Gospels, but the healing is only in this one in Luke chapter 22. Um, one of the things that I really love about this story in particular is just how normal this healing is for Jesus. Right? So here's what happens. Peter... I actually, funny note, all the disciples are like, Jesus, what should we do? And Peter's like, I'm not waiting for an answer. We're just swinging, right? Um, I'm like so much like Peter, like it's outrageous. I, I wish that I wasn't. When I say I'm like Peter, mostly I mean the things where he does really dumb things, um, not like the really cool things. So like in a minute, we'll talk about Peter healing somebody. Not that cool. Um, but uh, so Peter. Peter just, just goes for it, right? He cuts off this, this guy's ear, and Jesus just immediately just walks over, touches his ear, heals him. Um, first of all, gross. I don't know what Jesus touched. I don't know if he touched the ear or touched the stub or, like, disgusting. Um, so I don't, I don't want to, like, go into detail there, but that's, that's really gross. Um, apparently, Jesus was not afraid of bloodborne illness. Um, guys, I work at T-Mobile and like I, I could maybe count on one hand the amount of times that I've seen blood at my store. Every three months I have to do a training on bloodborne illnesses and how to handle it, right? Um, we're like serious about it. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody bleeding there, but like I have to know every three months. Um, Jesus did not know. He never took the training. Um, so uh, he was apparently ill-prepared for this. Um, so Jesus just walks up very nonchalant, right? Just touches the guy's ear, and he's healed. What I love about this is that it's, it's, there's, there's no buildup, right? There's, there's no magic words. There's no um, praying. Like there, The Bible doesn't even say that he prayed over him. Just says that he touched his ear and he was healed. There wasn't a three-point sermon beforehand. Can I tell you, when I was in Bible school, 
I was taught, literally taught, that like when I'm preaching, I need to share about healings that I've seen so that I can stir the faith of people in the room so that then I can see more healings. There was this phrase, somebody said it. Some of you guys are going to get PTSD from hearing this quote. Uh, somebody said it, and then a bunch of my friends like quoted it all the time. They, the quote is that um, expectancy, sorry, the, the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. Can I tell you, Jesus did not have that paradigm. Jesus did not try to stir up the faith of everybody. He didn't try to like, you know, yell and get everybody excited. He didn't have the worship team playing behind him. He didn't slap people. He just touched them. Can I tell you, expectancy is not the breeding ground for miracles. Jesus is the breeding ground for miracles. The Holy Spirit is the breeding ground for miracles. And if he's there, it doesn't matter what the atmosphere looked like. If Jesus shows up, it doesn't matter if everybody's swinging swords and clubs or if the worship team is playing. He's going to heal because that's what he does. This is just normal for him. And we actually see this with the disciples as well. So I'm going to read Acts chapter 3. No, I'm not. I'm just going to talk about it because I didn't write it down. Acts chapter 3. So this is right after Pentecost. By the way, Pentecost, love it. We're, we're slowly moving you guys, whether you realize it or not, to a more litur liturgical calendar. Um, and so we recognized Pentecost last week and celebrated that. And um, So Pentecost was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This was right after that. Peter is walking through the streets. And um, again, this is where I don't see myself like Peter. Um, because Peter's just like super, super cool in this moment. Um, and Peter's walking through the streets, and the Bible says that there's a man who was lame, and he was uh, carried every day to the gate called Beautiful. And this man who was lame makes eye contact with Peter. How many of you guys have been walking down the street, and you make eye contact with somebody who's lame? You're like in a big city or whatever, and you're like, oh boy, now I'm uncomfortable. Like, because they want something from me, right? They want, they want money right? And we're like, I don't have any, or maybe I can't share, whatever. Um, by the way, I want to encourage you, keep your heart open when you meet somebody who's in need. Um, it's very easy to just say like, hey, you know, they could go get a job. Um, it's very easy to just put it back on them. But I want to encourage you, listen for the Holy Spirit in those moments and let him guide you because the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you astray. And so let him guide you. Um, and he's not going to keep you from from giving. He's not going to keep you from praying. He's going to encourage you um, to, to see that person as a person. That's not related at all to my sermon. So Peter is, is walking down the street. He makes eye contact with this man at the gate called Beautiful. This man, the Bible says that he's expecting, because he made eye contact, he's expecting Peter to give him money. And so the Bible says that Peter goes up to him and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give it to you. Stand up, take your mat, and walk. That's, like, pretty hardcore. Like, I'm just not that cool. Like, <clears throat> if, I'm, if I'm praying for somebody to get healed, I'm still, like, praying. I'm, not, I'm just not that, that level of confidence yet. Like, 
just stand up, dude. Like, go walk, take your mat. I wish that I was there, but I'm not. One of the things that Brandon mentioned earlier, by the way, this is, this is really important. Um, when we read the scripture or we sing a song, um, we might look at ourselves and say, hey, I don't li line up with that like I want to, right? Um, can I tell you, as I preach today, as we talk about um, healing being a normal part of the Christian life, I'm not there. But guess what? Josh isn't the standard. I'm, I'm not the standard here. Jesus is the standard. He's the only standard. He's the only one that matters. And if my life doesn't look like his, you shouldn't be trying to emulate me. You also shouldn't be looking at other people thinking, wow, they're so hypocritical. They're preaching about healing, but they're not healing everybody. That's okay, because my life isn't always going to look like Jesus. I wish it did. That's my goal, but I'm not there yet. Pastor Joey, he's not the standard. Jesus is the only standard. Healing was just part of their lives. The gifts of the Spirit was just part of their lives. They would just walk around healing people. I mean, for Jesus, it was so normal that there's records of him walking and people touching him and getting healed. He's not even touching them. The woman with the issue of blood, she just touched the hem of his garment. She didn't even touch him. She just touched his clothes and she got healed. That's what the Christian life is supposed to look like. Why? Because when Jesus died, he won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And now we are partakers of that victory. And we're able to bring heaven to earth. And in heaven, there's no sickness. There's no disease. That's what we're called to. The next thing that I love about this story, I touched on it just a minute ago, but the man was still bleeding. He was still a mess. And Jesus wasn't scared of it. Jesus is not scared of your mess. He's not scared if you're bleeding and dying. He's not scared if you're coming at him with clubs and swords. He's still motivated by compassion. He's still motivated by love. Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 says, that, says this. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. In that day, leprosy got you excommunicated. Like you literally had to live on the outskirts of the city in your own little leper area, and you weren't allowed in the city because you were going to spread your leprosy. It was a death sentence for people 
and it was an excommunication notice. And this man comes up to Jesus, and not only does Jesus heal him, what does he do? Touches him. Jesus isn't scared of our mess. He's not scared of the fact that we mess up, that we're full of sickness, that we're full of disease. I think Ayana quoted it last week. Romans chapter 5 tells us that maybe somebody would die for a good man. But Jesus demonstrates his love toward us in that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were dead and in our mess, he came and healed us. While we were standing there with a bloody nub, he comes and touches it. What kind of Savior gets that close to us? What kind of God associates with people like that? That's the beauty of the gospel, is that it's not about a God who's far off. It's not about a God who is, who is trying to hold us up to this perfect standard. And if we don't attain it, then we can't be near him. No, he says, when you're at your worst, when you're showing up, to take me and kill me. When you're showing up and you're a bloody mess, I still love you. I'll still heal you. I'll still deliver you. I'll still raise you from the dead. Why? Because he's that good. He's that good. He's that loving. And it's not about us. Healing was never about us. When we go to heal people, it's never about us looking cool. I think about the idea of sharing stories to try to stir people's faith. When we look at Jesus, he told people, don't go tell anybody what, what happened for you. Over and over again, he said, he heals somebody and then he says, don't tell anybody about this. Because it's not about fame. It's not about being the coolest person. It's not about being the one who can work miracles. It's about the healing for that person. It's about loving them. And when Jesus does it for us, it's not so that he can be famous. It's because he loves us. And all things work together for his glory. I know that. But he does it not for the glory. The Bible teaches us that he actually gave up all glory to come and live as a man. He did it because he loves. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Not that we can attain not that we can reach him, but that when we were a mess, he came and he healed us.